Let our praise be your welcome. Let our songs be a sign. We are here for you. We are here for you. Let your breath come from heaven. Fill our hearts with your life. We are here for you. Lord, we are here for you. To you our hearts are open. Nothing here is hidden. You are our one desire. For you alone are holy. Only you are worthy, God. Let your fire fall down.
Well, this is a, it's a special day for your mom and daddy. For a long time, we've prayed for this day that we'd get to celebrate your new birth in Jesus. And you've got a lot of your family out there that's come to, to help celebrate. And I just want to ask you guys to stand up real quick so we can see everybody that's praying for him and excited for him. All right. Now, Will, you know that, that there's no saving power in this water. It's, uh, this is a, a picture of what's happened to you that, that the old well has died and there's a new life in you. Uh, a picture of, of the new birth that, that you've experienced. Now, you, you asked Jesus to come into your heart and, and trusted him for the forgiveness of your sins, haven't you? Yeah. If you were to die today, where would you go, Will? Heaven. Amen. Amen. Well, Will, upon your open profession of faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in obedience to his command, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Well, good morning. My name is Ron, and uh, I am Andrew's uncle. And uh, this past uh, week, Andrew called me, and this little voice answered. Uh, I was on the phone, and uh, he said, Uncle Ronnie, I got saved last Sunday. And, uh, and we rejoiced, uh, my family, as we heard about that. And then Andrew said, uh, would you do the honor of baptizing me and I said it would be my honor to do that and Andrew um, having accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior and by your profession of faith by coming forward before your church body here have you asked Jesus to come into your heart yes sir and uh, if you were to die today where would you uh, where would you go today heaven amen and so by your testimony of having accepted Christ alone as your Lord and Savior it's my privilege and my honor to call you my brother in Christ, buried with him in baptism, arise to walk in newness of life. Amen. With the Wilhite, members of the Wilhite family, would you guys stand up so we can recognize you? Amen. Let's give those guys a hand. Thank you. There you go. This is Miss Leah Smith. Y'all give it up for Miss Leah, who's coming to be baptized this morning. And... Um, very excited about her decision to follow Jesus, and I've already talked with her and the others as well, but being baptized does not save you. Uh, the Bible teaches that you need to come to faith in Jesus Christ, who died to pay for the penalty of your sin on the cross, was buried and resurrected, and then whenever you're baptized, what you're doing is you are proclaiming to everyone that you've placed your faith in Christ. And I know Leah is excited about making that decision and so glad that she's being baptized today. She's got a lot of family here. Y'all stand up real quick. Let's welcome them this morning to God's house. Good to see you guys. Very good, very good. There you go. Now, Leah, based upon your profession, don't hold your breath yet, sweetie. <laughs> She'll pass out, won't she? But we're excited about your decision to follow Jesus, and based upon that decision, we baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Bear with him in baptism. <laughs> Raised to walk in newness of life. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> Take your time, slippery. She went under, didn't she? <laughs> Come on out, who's next? Here we go, Mr. Johnny Parks. Y'all give it up for Johnny as he comes in. There you go. And 
Johnny's prayed to receive the Lord and uh, came forward uh, last Sunday and desired to be baptized. So we're excited about his decision. We got some family here too. Where are you guys at? Y'all stand up. Y'all give it up for his family. So glad to have you. Scoot up just a little more. And then you're going to bend your knees when I go in. All right. Johnny, based upon your profession of faith in Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Bear with him in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life. Amen. Right. Here comes uh, Mr. Dustin Holbrook. Y'all give it up for him as he comes. And Dustin <clears throat> came forward. He gave his heart to Jesus. So we're excited about his decisions. Well, I know he's got some family members. Y'all stand up in the house real quick. Where y'all is? There they are. God bless y'all. All right. Let's get up just a little bit. Grab that arm. And Dustin, based upon your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Bear with him in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life. Amen. Got another one coming. Mr. Brandon is going to baptize him for us. So y'all give it up for Brandon Roney, our student pastor, as he comes. He was one of our students during Disciple That's much better. He's one of our students during Disciple Now that made a decision to give his life to God. And uh, Jacob's got some family here this morning. So we're going to ask you, family, if you would stand just so we can recognize you and see you. Where are you? Jacob, you see me? All right, there they are back there. Some of his friends over here, too. Good. And uh, I told Jacob he's going to go last, and he said, well, good. And I said, all you got to do is just stand there. He said, stand here and look pretty. And I said, well, not as, not as good as Pastor Levi. Where you at? But, uh, but we're excited about what uh, God's doing in Jacob's heart. And Jacob was one of uh, several students during D-Now that uh, the Lord just got a hold of and said, you need to commit your life and give it to me. And so we're excited about this this morning. And Jacob, baptism is, is nothing magical. Uh, it's just a sign, a symbol of what's happened in your heart. You're buried and you die to yourself and then Christ gives you new life to be able to uh, be raised and live for him. So I'm excited about your testimony, man. And it's for that reason that I baptize you this morning. Well, amen. And uh, always, always great to start a service off with baptism. We got to do that in our early service as well. Hey, rejoice. Uh, 1,300 people in worship last Sunday, which was awesome. And uh, salvation's in every service. So we were fired up about that too. So let's give the Lord a hand clap. Thank you, Lord, for doing that. And if you're visiting with us, when you came in, you got a worship guide, also known as a brochure. And inside this little brochure is a section for you as a visitor to fill out. So if you're visiting with us, please take time to just write your name in there, a little bit of info. We'd love to be praying for you. And then just later on here in the service, you can tear this thing off and you can actually drop it directly into an offering plate. Very, very simple. So I'd encourage you to do that, okay? Let's stand to our feet now and welcome one another to God's house.
There, RJ. Don't you love the bow tie, by the way? Isn't that sweet? Okay. 
right there, same spot. Oh, that's your note. What I love is last week we celebrated Easter. He rose. But for a Christian, one who believes in Christ, who has Christ dwelling within him, every Sunday's Resurrection Sunday. That's Amen. Right. All right. So if some of you are looking around and you're looking next to you going, man, that guy's lost it. That's okay. That's all right. Because you may lose it on the inside. Nobody ever know. Some of you are, are that way. Some of you will express it more, and that's okay. That's what makes up the body, and it's okay. If somebody hurts you, then we'll talk to them. <laughs> Nobody's going to hurt you. So, uh, man, cause especially some of these students, they know the hand motions. It's, oh, happy day. What's day? I don't either. <laughs> happy day. Oh, happy day. You watched. Mary, y'all saw Karate Kid. Wax on, wax off. Y'all know that. <laughs> Wax on, wax off, wash my sin away. Forever I am changed. I mean, it's awesome. So if you want to do that, guess what? You can. If you don't want to, you don't have to. I just saw a little child back there having a ball. And you know what? I think that's what the Lord meant when he said, come as a child. Not, not acting like a child. Not, I'll forget that. But coming just with an innocence, I guess that's what I'm trying to say, just with the innocence of loving on Jesus today. And that's what we want to do. All right? Remember your note? Okay, he's got his note. All right, we're going to have fun with this one. Oh, you ready? Okay, you ready? What a glorious day. God bless you guys. You can be seated. Awesome. Well, amen. We are so excited about the opportunity that we have coming up in front of us as a church body. Uh, what we're looking to do is really start a new ministry entitled Concord Cares. It's led by Ms. Lori Delosier and Judy Sartain, a couple of our wonderful leaders within the fellowship. And the entire focus of the ministry is helping our church body actually become foster families for children who have just flat out been displaced, unrecognized, or thrown to the curb. So we want to be a fellowship that actually ministers to these children, as the book of James tells us to do, and not only minister to them, but also to lead them in the ways of Christ. So we're excited about the opportunity where Concord will join together with Faith Bridge Ministries, and as we come 
come together, see what God can do here in our church body. So what I want to do now is introduce to you Dave Shaw. Dave's coming. He's going to talk with us for just a moment about Faith Bridge, and we're excited to have him. Y'all make him welcome as he comes. Good deal, good deal. Come on over here, Dave. And Dave, give everybody a 60-second primer of what the foster care situation is. Well, first I want to uh, thank God, Pastor Levi, because I was afraid this equipment was for me. So, oh, yeah, the exercise equipment? Yeah. Yes, sir. That's right. Uh, most of us learn more by what we see than what we hear. So I want to do a little visual exercise with you for just a few seconds. I'd like to ask you to close your eyes, and I hope that's not a, a weird you out kind of thing. Uh, and with this group, I don't think it will be. But I want you to imagine with your eyes closed that standing beside me on this stage are three children, ages 5, 8, and 12. There are two boys, one girl. Those children were removed from their parents' home last night by county officials because their mother had abandoned them and they were not receiving care. Those children need a place to go today. They need a home that will nourish them, nurture them. And I'd like you, if you would be interested in helping these children, to raise your hand. Okay. Now you can open your eyes. That's as good a primer as I can give you on what foster care is about, is children being neglected, abused, or abandoned, and removed from their homes, and suffering that trauma, and needing a place to go, needing a home. Very good. Well, tell everyone here this morning how Faith Bridge and Concord Cares actually comes together to make this kind of thing happen. Well, Concord Cares is the ministry that will drive this. Faith Bridge exists to support you as a church, and Concord Cares is a ministry. Uh, we're sort of the go-between between the church and state government, but we very much want to be behind the scenes in this. We very much want Concord Church to be out front of this, and that's why you don't see our name anyplace. But you need an agency through which children can come from the state once they're taken into custody. And we perform that role as well as equipping you as foster parents and support members uh, to be able to provide for these kids and their families. Very good. Now, I know there are a lot of families already in our fellowship who are foster parents. And then there may be some who really feel God calling them to do that. And then there may be some who do not feel God calling them to be foster family. Krista and I have four children, and we don't like three of them. All right? But anyway, I, that's a joke, man. Yeah, I'm just messing with you. But anyway, so uh, we've got our – I was just playing. I don't make any phone calls after the service. He's but really not. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So anyway, we got these, but Krista and I would love to help, but maybe we couldn't do it so much as being a foster family. Is there any way we could actually help? One of the big values of a church stepping up to take care of the needs of these children is it's not just foster families that are being raised up, but it's a whole group of Christians surrounding those families to help them along this journey. So if you can't foster or that's not what God's calling you to do, you can prepare meals, you can babysit, you can be a transporter, you can be a mentor for a child or a birth parent, you can be a tutor for a child. There's literally something for everyone to do, and it really takes everyone doing that to make this journey uh, possible and to make it one where the outcome will be so favorable for these kids and their families. And Dave, that's exciting. And I know uh, there's a way that everybody can get involved. So what is the next step for our church body to really start this particular ministry? Next Sunday evening at 6 o'clock here in this auditorium, we'll be conducting an orientation session that's really designed to give you all the information you need to decide what 
role God's calling you to play in this ministry. Whether it's a foster family or whether it's a member of a support team for a foster family. We just love to have you come and learn more about what the need is in the community and how Concord can step up and solve that need. So 6 to 8 next Sunday evening here in the auditorium. Very good. So we want to encourage you to be here next Sunday, 6 o'clock in the evening worship service. It's going to be an awesome time. Dave, I know you got a friend here as well, Mark Washington. Mark, where are you at, brother? Didn't I just see you a minute ago? Slip your hand up real high. There you are. God bless you. He works with Faith Bridge as well. Y'all welcome Mark and his family as they're here with us today. Good to have you all. And what I'd love to do now is just say a word of prayer, and then we'll also prepare to take our tithe and offering, but really praying specifically for this ministry. I know God's using you guys all over the state of Georgia and abroad, and we're excited to be able to partner with you and look forward to seeing what the Lord does. Let's bow together. Father, it's a great privilege, uh, first of all, to be adopted into your family, to know you personally. And God, that happens uh, because of your son, Jesus. You gave Christ to die for our sin. You brought him back from the dead. And Father, the scriptures teach us that Salvation is a free gift. Um, and so, God, I thank you that you gave us that gift. You brought us into your family by faith. And now, Lord, you have totally rearranged how we look at things, how we think, how we operate. And, Father, I pray that we as a church body uh, would be serious about helping these children who have been displaced all over Georgia. Uh, God, I pray in Jesus' name that our fellowship would really raise the standard and be a flagship model for other churches in what this ministry really should look like. And God, I pray that you would uh, forgive the New Testament church for uh, allowing the government to do what you called the church to do. Help us to step up and to be the body, your hands, your feet, ministering to children, ministering to families. And God, I pray we'd see souls uh, come to know you personally as a result of this ministry. Put your hand on Dave as well as uh, Mark. Continue to use them and their team as they go about making such an impact for the kingdom of heaven. And Father, it's our heart now to give tithes and offerings. I pray that we give cheerfully, hilariously, as the Bible says, and you would use all of the gifts for the furtherance of your kingdom. And it's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. And everybody said, amen.
everything that we have we lay it before your feet to be what you desire for us to be so what could I say and what could I do but offer this heart Father, I pray that's our heartbeat in this place today. To offer our heart, everything we have, heart, mind, soul, strength, completely over to you today. We honor you. We bless you. And we're so thankful 
for the opportunity to come today to hear your word, to see the result of people moved in baptism, Father, a result of a changed life, evidence of your grace. Thank you so much for loving us and giving us the opportunity today to serve you. In your precious name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Let me show you Concord's new gym, For Him Fitness, where we are dedicated to serve the Lord with our bodies, heart, soul, and mind. First station, we've got the weight machine. Don't be afraid. Everybody's afraid of weights. Weight or where it's at. The more muscle mass you have, the more calories you burn at rest. The more calories you burn, the more calories you can eat. Okay? So I want you to do weight training two times a week. Two to three, but no more than three. This is where Pastor Levi gets his guns going on for his gun show. All right, jog on down here. We got our weight training, and now we're going to do some cardio. Now, this is a, a cardio machine. We've got lot. We've got ellipticals, bicycles, treadmills. This is a bicycle. Randy loves to use it when it's raining, and he can't get outside and run. So, cardio. I want you to do five times a week, at least 30 minutes, up to 60 minutes. You can burn as much as 600 calories in an hour doing some cardio. So that's so important. Um, but we've got a class going on, and this is my absolute favorite. It is um, sweating with the oldies, and um, it's kind of, um, absolutely, it's so fun. Lots going on with group fitness, and our senior staff member, James Dollar, leads this. Come on, let's go see it. Well, well, you know, um, whether it is Gold's Gym, whether it's the Y or LA Fitness, uh, all of these organizations have a mission. Their goal is to help you become physically fit. That's why they have the weight training sessions, the cardio, as well as the exercise. It's all designed for you to reach your optimal fitness performance. But think with me for just a moment about something. If you are involved in a gym for any length of time, you should be able to see some results. Am I correct on that? Say yes. Yes, without a doubt, you should be able to see some results. You may feel stronger, you may lose a little weight, your energy level improves, but here's another thought that I want you to carry your mind to. If you are involved in a local fellowship for any period of time, you should be able to see some results. Would you agree with that? There's no doubt that you should be able to see something. Maybe you lose selfishness, your energy to serve others improves, your faith gets larger, and you simply feel more generous. You know, too often I fear that people are in church, but they are seeing little to no life change occur. That is, there's no obvious results. And you don't want that to be the case at Concord, no more than I desire for that to be the case at Concord. So just like a gym, we have to be focused on the spiritual fitness of our fellowship. So I want to give you this statement. You tell me whether or not you believe it. A person cannot know genuine joy and lasting contentment apart from a relationship with Christ. Do you believe that? 
Amen. Without a doubt, we would all agree. That's why we are seeking here at Concord to make sure that we are leading people to follow Jesus Christ. Now, we do this properly by never forgetting what we are supposed to be doing as a church. So really, that becomes a question, doesn't it? What are we supposed to be doing as a church? What are we up to? What, what is our point? What is our mission? Well, Jesus gives us that in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28. I'd invite you to open that with me, if you will. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Jesus gives here the mission for the New Testament church. It's an awesome text, and let me just invite you to stand with me in honor of God's Word. The Bible says, beginning in verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let's bow together. Father, it's a great privilege to know you personally, to be called by you into a relationship, but also to be given a mission. And so, Lord, I pray for our church body that we would focus our energy, focus our uh, attention on really carrying out this concept of making disciples. And Lord Jesus, I pray you'd speak to every single heart. Bottom line is, there may be some here today who have yet to choose to follow you. Uh, They believe that you died. They even maybe believe that you were resurrected from the dead. But God, we know the Bible teaches that even uh, the devil believes all those things. So that doesn't mean that he has a relationship with you, which will be uh, for all of eternity in heaven. So God, I pray this morning that you would move some people from just simple belief into genuine faith where they begin to follow you. And speak to our church, Lord. Do a great work, and we'll give you glory for it. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen, and you can be seated. So what are we doing here at Concord? Quite simply, our mission is to make disciples everywhere. And where did we come up with that? We came up from it from Jesus. He teaches us to do that, so we don't make up a new mission. Now, if we abandon the mission of Jesus Christ as a church, we abandon all reason for even existing as a fellowship. It is vitally important that our fellowship is a disciple-making factory, leading more and more people to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, you and I should be duplicating ourselves within the body. If you are a follower of Jesus, you should be leading others to follow Jesus as well. Do you all agree with that? Say amen. That is our calling. Now, with that in mind, I want us to ask a couple of questions this morning and then allow the scriptures to give us an answer. One of the questions is, what does a disciple of Jesus look like? In other words, if we're going to obey the command, which is given to us in Matthew's gospel, to go and make disciples, we need to know what a disciple looks like. The term for disciple literally speaks of being a willing follower and a partner with another. In any case, when I chose to place my faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, I in that moment became a willing follower and a partner with the Lord Jesus. As well, we are commissioned by Jesus to lead others to be willing followers and partners with Jesus. All of us are called to this. It's not just a pastoral calling. So if you know Christ, you should be engaged in helping others know him and follow him as well. In fact, it speaks directly of our ability 
to reflect his character and conduct through our own lives. As we follow Jesus, we increasingly show the character and conduct of Christ in our lives. You know, when I knew God was calling me to Concord to pastor, I began praying and asking a very simple question. Lord, what do you desire for me to do uh, with that church body? What do you want me to do? And uh, the simple question led me on a journey through the Gospels. In fact, I it was awesome. My bottom line was, I'm like, okay, Lord, if everybody needs to know your nature, they need to know your character, they need to understand your conduct, then I probably ought to know it. So, Lord, I'm going to study the Gospels. And that's what I began to do before I ever came here. I began to read through all the Gospels, and I literally had a little research project going on by myself. But what I did is wrote down every single thing that Jesus said we are to do, and I also wrote down every single thing that Jesus did. So I'm like, Jesus, tell us to do this. This is what Jesus is up to. So if we're going to follow him, this is what we should look like. It's a great exercise, but uh, once I finished doing that through all the gospels, I had a lot of stuff written down. Y'all all right? And so then I began to say, how can I now more or less condense these, put these into commonalities. And in this process, I found myself assigning every single statement and every action of Jesus into four major categories. How many categories? Four major categories, and they were very simple. It's worship, reach, grow, and serve. And so I began to find that Jesus was involved in worshiping, reaching, growing, and serving. Therefore, a disciple, what does he look like? What does she look like? It is a person worshiping, reaching, growing, and serving. But let me kind of share with you how Jesus did this. First, we would note Jesus taught us how to worship God. In fact, he tells us in Mark's gospel, chapter 12 and verse 30, the most important commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And Jesus did just that. He never commanded anyone to do something that he did not. The loyalty that Jesus had to God the Father was unprecedented. According to John's gospel, Jesus did nothing on his own initiative. What he saw God the Father do, that's what he did. What he heard God the Father say, that's what he spoke. And listen, Jesus' submission to the Father's will, that is the Father's plan and purpose for him, that is the essence of true worship. So Jesus worshiped God the Father by submitting to his will, and he taught you and I that to worship God the Father means to submit to his will for our lives. Remember Jesus, in fact, in the Garden of Gethsemane, the shadow of the cross looming over him, and he bows down in prayer and says, Lord, if you are willing, allow this cup to pass from me. Nevertheless, Jesus says, not my will be done, but your will be done. Jesus was submitting to the Father's will in the garden, which was a perfect picture of genuine worship. Jesus teaches us how to worship. But secondly, we would note Jesus taught us how to reach out to others. Jesus in John's gospel, reached out to a Samaritan woman, a woman who was far from God. She had been married several times, and the man she was with at that current moment was not even her husband. Yet Jesus, with compassionate eyes, sought to reach out to her. And just in our study in Luke's gospel together, 
we've discovered that Jesus continued to reach out to those who were demon-possessed, those who were sick, and those who were social outcasts. So he took up time with those who were far away from God. The compassion of Christ for souls led him to reach out to those that the so-called religious people ignored. In fact, in Luke's Gospel 19 and 10, the Bible says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And remember Jesus' word in Luke chapter 5. He says, it's not those who are well who need a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So Jesus' ministry was involved in reaching out to other people. Only makes good sense that if you and I are following Jesus, we will also be involved in reaching out to those who are far from God so that we can lead them to the truth of Jesus Christ. So Jesus worshiped God. Jesus reached out to others. And then thirdly, we would note, Jesus taught you and I how to grow. Luke's gospel again, chapter 2 and verse 52 reads this. Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with men. So Jesus, although fully God, he laid aside his divine privileges, according to Philippians 2, so that he could be our perfect example. And Jesus walked this earth, and the Bible teaches you and I that he grew in wisdom. Also, just so you and I are aware of Jesus' ministry, the very nature of Jesus' life was to reveal to you and I who God is. John's gospel chapter one, the scripture says in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. And then it drops down in verse 14 and says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And that's an awesome picture, by the way, when he says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. In the Old Testament, God's presence dwelt in the tabernacle, whether it was a stationary tabernacle or even the mobile tabernacle. God literally showed up in those particular places. But in the New Testament, listen closely, the Bible teaches us that God pitched his tent in the person of Jesus Christ and he walked among us. And the Bible says in John's gospel 1 and verse 18, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father. But Jesus has explained him to us. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6 that the glory of God is in the face of Jesus Christ. What an awesome statement from Paul. You know what he's saying? He's saying that the weight of who God is, the reality of the nature of the heavenly Father, it is known in the face of Christ. And when he speaks of the face of Christ, he's giving the imagery of someone getting to know a person face to face. In other words, if you want to get to know God, you get to know Jesus because Jesus indeed is God in the flesh. And so he came and he reached out and he worshiped and he grew and he challenges you and I to grow in our knowledge of who he is. Not so we can swell up with intellect, but so that we can have wisdom in this life. And ladies and gentlemen, there's a difference between intellect and wisdom. Intellect swells 
the head, but wisdom shows up in your feet. Wisdom shows up in the application of life. And so that's why the scriptures teach us that the beginning of wisdom is to fear God. So we come to know God personally, and he gives us wisdom, which applies to our life and changes how we think and changes how we live. So Jesus Christ, what did he come and do? Well, he worshiped God. He reached out to others. And we find in the scriptures that he not only did these things, but he grew and taught us to grow. But then fourthly, Jesus teaches us how to serve others. Mark's gospel, chapter 10, verse 45, great verse concerning Jesus. The Bible says, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And who can forget this morning, Jesus Christ performing the most menial task of Greco-Roman culture in their day. When all the disciples showed up into the room to eat, no one washed the feet. But Jesus got down taking a bowl of water and a towel and kneeled down and served those men. What a great picture of how he called you and I to serve. We also note as we read the Gospels that Jesus lived a generous life always seeking to give himself away for others. Chapter after chapter, uh, verse after verse, locating what Jesus has done, how he was a servant. So the four major aspects of a genuine disciple, I want you to repeat them after me. Here's the first one. Worship, reach, grow, and serve. Those are the four major aspects of a disciple's life. Now, with this reality on my brain and study, I came to a very simple conclusion. True disciples, what do they look like? They are individuals whose life is wrapped up in and leading others to worship God, reach out to those who are far from God, grow in their relationship with God, and to serve other people. And to make it even shorter or simpler, a True disciple worships, reaches, grows, serves, and leads other people to do the same thing. So in these four categories, a follower of Jesus Christ has this fanatic discipline. Nothing stands in the way of a true disciple from having a desire to worship God with all of your heart and to serve others with absolute joy. This is what God does in the life of a disciple. Listen, if we're following Jesus, are y'all listening? That was my question. Are y'all listening? If we're following Jesus, then we should look like Jesus. <laughs> y'all ain't out there. If we're following Jesus, we should look like Jesus. Am I correct on this? Now, my thing that blows my brain up is that we have so many fellowships, so many churches who claim to follow Jesus but don't look like him. So question, are they really following him? Now let's bottom it down to where you are. You claim to follow Jesus, I claim to follow Jesus. If someone were to follow you all week long this week, would they look more like Jesus next Sunday when we come to worship? If we say, I'm not real sure, then we're not being disciplined in the area of worshiping, reaching, growing, and serving. Y'all still out there? Now, that's the first question. I'm going to go a little deeper with this now and ask a very pointed question. What about Concord Baptist Church? 
How is Concord's ministry structured to make disciples? Are we structured to make disciples? Do we have a pathway there, thereby you get plugged into the ministry here and you become more of a disciple? Is it clear? Are people actually becoming disciples? Well, we need to have a plan. We need to have a strategy. And uh, some people are like, well, where do you come up with the idea of having a plan? Well, Proverbs 20:18 says, prepare plans by consultation. Make war by wise guidance. Look at the pastor eyeball to eyeball. When it was written in the book of Proverbs, he was talking about actual physical war. But we apply that to New Testament, realizing that you and I are in a spiritual war. We are in a battle. And what the enemy desires is to make sure you do not become more of a disciple of Jesus. He wants to break that up, mess that up, mess up your relationships at work, mess them up in the home, mess them up in the church. His whole goal is just to mess you up and keep you from being a genuine follower of Christ. So we know we've got a war. But the Bible says we ought to prepare plans. To have plans literally means that you sit down and strategize, that you get prepared to lead people to become disciples. So as we look at the structure, now I'm talking to you about Concord, so listen. As we look at the structure of our fellowship, we need to make sure that it is enabling us to make disciples everywhere. Now, just to give you a better imagery of this, I want to give you a picture of uh, my car. Most of y'all haven't seen this before, so if you'll go ahead and shoot my car up on the screen very quickly. That's where it's at when you pastor. Can I get a witness? <laughs> Just kidding. Go ahead, put the real car up there. There's the real car. I thought the front view looked the best. It's a Ford 500. That's all I can say about that. But here's the deal. Someone somewhere had the idea for this car. So what they did is they sat down. And with the idea of this car in their mind, with their demographic senior citizens, they decided to draw this car. And they began to put it down, exactly what it was going to look like. Then they brought it to a strategy team and determined how they would build this vehicle. And then they set up an entire assembly line to build this car. So it would start at the beginning with the frame. They put the tires on it. Then they'd come along and they would drop the uh, seats in there, the engine on there, uh, the cruise control. Don't forget about that. The blinker that's very loud <laughs> because it's made for senior citizens. Your blinker is on. We were riding and I had it on the other day and Gavin, my four-year-old, says, Dad, what's that noise? What noise, son? You know those people who drive for like miles with their blinker on? Can I tell y'all something else? I go to Walmart. I'll come back to this. Y'all remember where I am. I go to Walmart this week, where it's at, by the way. Anything you need, they'll cut your hair, brush your teeth, and you can get some milk. <laughs> Love that place. I'm at Walmart because Krista told me to go and get some of these little oranges. So I went in there, and I know right where they are, so I grabbed the oranges. I'm wearing a hat because I was going to get a haircut, and I go and stand in line and didn't see anybody I knew. First time that ever happened in Walmart. And then all of a sudden, somebody poked me on the back of the shoulders. And I thought, oh, this must be a church member. How are you doing? It was some lady. I wasn't sure if I'd ever seen her before. Y'all all right? She said, how are you doing? I thought maybe she had been to church or something. She said, I just have a question for you. I said, yes, ma'am, what is that? Uh, are you prematurely gray? 
She said, I saw your face and saw your hair and they just didn't match. I slapped her in the face. That's what I did. Come back to the car for just a moment, all right? But they're putting this thing together, and as it goes through the assembly line, it comes out on the other end. It looks just like a muscle car as it is. It's a Ford 500. Now, the deal is, when we look at a disciple, what we need to understand is that God has already given us the drawing of what one looks like. He gave us the example in His Son, Jesus Christ. So we know exactly what it's supposed to look like, so now we need to make sure we have a strategy built to actually help people become disciples following Jesus. And why do we do this? Why are we so concerned about people actually being disciples? Here's the reason why. Because we really believe that a person will not find genuine joy and lasting contentment apart from Jesus. So because we believe that, it drives every single thing that we do. It changes how we minister to this community. We want everybody to follow Jesus. That's what we do. So how is our structure set up to make sure we're making disciples? Well, as a staff, we decided that our worship on Sunday morning needed to be just that. It needed to be worship. We want to create an environment where you can meet God through prayer as well as through praise. Uh, we want you to learn God's will. And the only way for that is, uh, and one of the major ways for that is biblical preaching of God's word. So as you and I study the word of God together, what we are doing is we are learning more of who Christ is. We're learning more of what God has called us uh, to do, how we are to live. And then check it out. We genuinely worship when we submit to his leadership. So we do that. We want to create an environment as we gather together at 8.30 and 11 and worship. Gather that environment together to make sure we're lifting up the Son of God, Jesus Christ. But then secondly, as uh, an individual moves from worship, they get involved in a Sunday morning small group. We call them Sunday school around here, and we seek to create an environment which enables us to reach out to others. Now listen closely. We not only learn and fellowship with one another in a deeper level, but in Sunday school, we are strategically designed to reach out to those who may not know God or those who are out of God's will. So we want to help literally everybody know God, and we're going to reach more effectively through uh, small group Sunday school classes. I've said this before, so I'll go ahead and say it again very quickly. Look at me eyeball to eyeball. I am fired up that you're coming uh, to big church. Y'all know what big church is, right? That's where we at, all right? This is big church. I'm fired up that you're coming to this. But listen, I want to encourage you to get involved in a small group Sunday school class. It'll be in that particular area where we're learning together to reach out to others. And that is our calling. So I'd encourage you, if you're not involved in one, that you would get involved in one. There's plenty of places to go. All you've got to do is go to the foyer and say, I'm looking for a class at 945, and they will hook you up. So we go from worship, 
from our Sunday school where we're reaching out. And then thirdly, our discipleship classes are designed to help you grow. Adults, this ministry is designed to help you get into God's word on a daily basis. Listen, listen, you who are followers of Jesus need to spend time in God's word every single day. Listen, you do this as you allow God to speak to your heart and you will find that God uses his word to wash you away so that his son can be revealed in your life. That's what God does through the scripture. I love spending time in the word. And then finally, we want you to find a place of service within the body. You know, scripture teaches that every believer is uniquely designed to fit in the body. You were not saved to sit on a pew. You were saved to serve within the body. Now, could you imagine the reality if we all went from just being spectators to actually participators in the church? What a difference that would make. And I am confident that God has not only called you to salvation, but he has gifted you to serve in our current context for his greater glory. So you have a place to serve. Now, here's the deal. I told uh, you know, the staff this as well as we were all sitting and discussing some things. Said if I could get up and preach that everybody should serve, I mean, I believe I could use the Bible and make a very valid biblical case and you would be encouraged to serve somewhere. But if you were to come up to me after the service and say, Levi, I want to serve. Where can I serve? You know what I would do? I'd look at you and say, I ain't got a clue. Are y'all all right out there? I'm trying to be real transparent here. So, you liked that, didn't you? So I just put it out there. So reality is here at Concord, currently, we do not have a clear pathway for you to walk so that you can find out your spiritual gift, your unique personality, your passions, and the perfect place for you to serve. So what are we doing about that? Well, we have a crew under the leadership of Randy on staff. And what he's doing is meeting with this group called the CSI group, Concord Service Initiative. And they are making a clear pathway, check this out, so that eventually every single member of the church will be able to walk this pathway, find out their spiritual gift, their passion for ministry, and then get plugged in to ministry. And here is the wild idea. We believe that Concord could have 100% of its membership serving in the body. That is awesome. Look around real quick. The ones clapping are serving. Where? Y'all all right? That was a joke, but a good one. 